What a World Cup it has been. And now we are down to just 16 teams, and lo and behold, America are still contenders. We have had some of the best female analysts on the show, but I wanted to take a step back today and get perspective from the everyday American, the fans. There is a lot to be said about this American team. Are they good enough? Is Burhalter making the right decisions? Are they too young? Does Christian Pulisic really live up to being Captain America? The X's and O's can be debated for hours, but I want to know how inspiring this team truly is to the men and the women, the boys and the girls watching their televisions, hoping that in our lifetime, we will see our American team win a World Cup. Or should I say, at least be respected on the world stage. So here with me today is Tiffany Shine, a lifelong soccer junkie, a businesswoman who has represented players at all levels. She invests in the game with her heart, with her pocketbook, and with her time. And if there is ever a diehard American soccer fan, I would put her up there with my grandma, Alice. Rest in peace, Alicia Shaw, and welcome, Tiffany Shine. Tiffany, welcome to Hope Sola Speaks. It's so good to have you on. I love your jersey. Can you tell me what that jersey is? I It's your World Cup jersey. Yeah, I don't even have one anymore, and I love it. It is baller. It looks good. I used to be that skinny, too. <laughs> I can't, I could barely get into it this morning. I was like, and then I wore my, um, my blazer and jersey look, which was the look of the 2015 World Cup, if you recall. Of course, I, I remember those days. I do. Tiffany, I wanted to have you on because we have had some of the best analysts. You know, we had Carly Lloyd on, we had Michelle Akers on. We talked about the controversy surrounding Qatar. Um, so so we've, we've really, we've dived in to the X's and O's of the game. But we are happy now to be Americans, right? You know, you, you see the USA men's team all over the news or on every late night talk show host is, is talking about them. Everybody is talking about Team America. So we decided for this episode, let's get a soccer purist. Let's get a fan's perspective. And that's really what I want. I want a fan's perspective to see, you know, is this team really as inspiring as everybody is saying they are? Is Christian Pulisic really Captain America? Are they great? And obviously, you know, they're going to play Netherlands on Saturday. Netherlands is a fantastic team. We made it to the knockout round. It's incredible. We should all be excited. But where do our hopes go from here, from the average fan? Well, our, I, I, first of all, I mean, it was so exciting. And it was such a huge win um, to beat. Now, I've learned that it's pronounced Iran instead of Iran. Is that correct? Well, I always say Iran. Iran. Because the lady who does my hair, she's Iranian. And she always tells me it's Iran. And I think that that win was just full of so much. It was, it was full of, you know, just there, there's a lot happening in terms of the protesting in terms of women's rights. And there's, there's so much on the line there. And the team was in such a difficult place. The Iran team was in such a difficult place. And you could see that at the end of the game, but 
it was so much excitement for us. It's what, 10 years since we've been to any kind of uh, World Cup, I mean, to, into the next round, the round of 16. I can't believe it looks like Germany just got eliminated. Is that correct? Yes, I still have the game on right now. As we speak, there's a lot going on. We are recording on Thursday. Uh, so as we speak, you know, more teams are being eliminated, but the American team is in the final 16 teams. That means that they are, you know, half as good as every team that entered into this tournament, 16 teams left and the American team is still here. And I have been very critical. Um, and I think, I think all of us have the right to be critical when it comes to uh, American sports. We in America, we want to be the best at everything that we do. Except for in soccer, we are a few decades behind the teams like Germany, who just got eliminated. You know, the teams like France. My favorite team, Italy, is not even in the World Cup. So do we look at this American squad as the squad that really is the pivotal turning point for men's soccer here in the United States? For men's soccer, right? Uh, I do think it's a pretty big turning point for men's soccer. And I think the way that people are talking about it, um, I, what, what's interesting is like, is U.S. soccer finally men's soccer? Is U.S. men's soccer? Because U.S. women's soccer, I mean, you're a complete icon in the world of truly of pop culture. Like you're not just a soccer player. You're, you have permeated pop culture. And the question is, is will this, will this team permeate soccer culture and beyond soccer culture, pop culture. That's kind of what I'm, I'm looking to. Um, I think everyone's starting to talk about it. I don't know if you saw the Trevor Noah piece, which was hilarious, but Trevor Noah did this piece about like, um, he did a piece about translators uh, where the Saudi Arabian team's coach is French. So he's yelling at the team in English because the Saudi translate or the translator to Arabic um, you know, had to speak English. So he's yelling at them in English. These are the pop culture moments like that soccer in the United States has really been looking for. You know, we need Trevor Noah to kind of get, you know, excited about soccer and to and to pull that into the world of things that they talk about. But you know what's interesting to me, thinking about like I was getting so excited to to even talk about like soccer for uh, you know, as long as we get to a chance to talk about it. But I'm thinking, how like how is it for you? having been to all these world cups, like, do you have a good sense of, of what the pressure is of the next round and like what happens? I'm, I'm so curious about that. Uh, yeah. I mean, of course there's a lot of pressure going into the next round. It's a knockout round. Um, it's a do or die of course. And I, I don't want to be a hater. <laughs> I don't, <laughs> but the realist in me, uh, I look at I look at Christian Pulisic and he is America's hero right now. You talk about Trevor Noah, you know, you you see Jimmy Fallon, Stephen Colbert, everybody is talking about this American side and we're hopeful. And I'm afraid to be hopeful because I don't see the star quality that everybody says Christian Pulisic is. I think he's he's an engine and I think he works really hard and and he there's a lot to respect about him as a player. But when you when you think of like that star quality, the Neymars, the Mbappes, the Ronaldos, the Messis, I just don't see it. So it's like we're celebrating something because we want to believe. I believe that we can win. I believe that we can win. We want to believe it so bad. 
but I still don't see the star quality. I think it's a hardworking team. Um, I think, you know, I've had doubts about Burhalter, uh, Greg Ber- Burhalter, the coach, obviously, but he's defied critics. Um, and, and he continues to put out a great team. That's not scoring a lot of goals, but also not giving up a lot of goals. But in terms of like this winning star quality team, I don't see it. And, and that's what I want to know. Like you're, you're out there in Los Angeles, you know, there's viewing parties all over the place. People are celebrating this team before they've even really done anything great. So are they great? Well, I watched the, we watched the World Cup uh, in the morning. So coffee over coffee. Okay. In Los Angeles, we watched the World Cup over coffee at Kings Road Coffee and the guys there, there's some women, um, but the, everyone's kind of gathered around one TV, getting their coffees in the morning. And um, our fan base for the most part was really rooting for Mexico. I think there was like such a huge just, you know, obvious love of Mexico. LA is very, uh, I think, tied to Mexico. And so we get really excited and, and definitely back Mexico. Um, having said that, everyone was really kind of just going crazy over the United States. And I think starting to really believe at this point, I do believe that we can win. And I do kind of think that- you believe we can actually not, win. not the whole world <laughs> the next round the next round the, the next round I don't think we, we but you know what's so weird is like without the big you know kind of without the big Germanys of it and um it's like you said to not even have Italy in it and France obviously played down this last game because they didn't start everybody so there was a you know when they played Tunisia they were very much not the team that they normally are but it's kind of like if that game you know, um, if, if those kind of results can, can happen, I would say that the United States is certainly, I guess it's a hard game soccer. It's, you know, the wrong bounce of the ball can really do it to you. And maybe this is the year that U S gets the right bounce of the ball. I mean, we've had many, like, I think you, you, I don't, I, I don't see the star either. I don't see the start. I do think that Captain America is great. I don't even really know how to pronounce his name, which is embarrassing to say. Is it Pulisic or Pulisic? It's so embarrassing. And it's Iran. Iran. <laughs> Iran. And, and, um, I, you know, I, I like the meaty defenders, to be honest with you. Like my, the thing that's making me fall in love with this team is the, the really meaty defenders. It's like a big guy defender kind of team. That is, um, I feel like that's, that's fun. I, I, I love having these big guys defending us. So I got to tell you my favorite player on the U S team right now is Tyler Adams, the captain. Unbelievable. I mean, I don't even know if you saw the press conference. Yes. Where he 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 actually was was told by the Iranian press that they felt disrespected because he was pronouncing their country wrong, and that's very difficult. You know the politics that are going on. You know within the game, within the World Cup, being in Qatar. You know we're playing Iran, and he he he's young. And he has to stand there and listen to these press conferences. And he was told he's disrespecting their country because he doesn't know how to pronounce their country's name. I think he was saying Iran, like many of us do in the United States. We say Iran. And he handled it with class. But not only that, he's a true leader, I think. I think he's one of the most inspirational players for me. He runs a field. He's a general. He plays defense. He, to me, is Captain America. We keep talking about Christian Pulisic. 
which by the way, he has a bone bruise <laughs> on his pelvic bone, right? Yes, he and does. And I'm like, ah, oh, come <laughs> on. It's just a, it's a deep bone bruise. And I know that hurts, but you're going to play on Saturday. Cause if you, you don't know play, when he, when he oh, scored, yeah. I thought he was doing the Marshawn Lynch celebration. I thought he was doing like a nod to Marshawn Lynch's celebration, but it turned out he just really got a bruise. <laughs> And a bruise will not sit you out of a game if you are a diehard player, which I better I better see that he is everything America wants him to be. He better step on that field on Saturday and lead the team. Well, I agree. I actually like I kind of agree with you about Adams being especially after that interview and the way he handled it, it was such a you know, to be going into, as you know, these moments where it's such a high pressure game and then you're able to handle and well, after the game, but you're able to handle the interview, which is a totally different skill set. And you're able to handle it with such class. Um, it's pretty amazing. Like you recall, I mean, I remember getting a call, Hope. I don't think we've really told everybody how we know each other, but I, you know, worked with you obviously during the 2015 World Cup and the Olympics. And I got the call from you about saying the word cowards, you know, and they, it was, you're, you're standing there right after a game after really, really, really devastating loss, you know? And it's like, he pulled this out in a way that I think people don't realize how difficult, how challenging it is. And I would love for you to speak to that because I know, you know, you have, have to handle those moments, those moments right after something really emotional. And then you're presented with some questions that are, you know, fairly difficult. And I felt like what you did as after that, you know, uh, Olympic loss in Brazil and uh, Manaus, I believe it was, you were just so devastated and so emotional and so truthful, you know? And so it's interesting to um, s- sort of take that, how we answer questions and, and, um, you know, what, what does that mean for the players? This, this was a great answer. And I felt like Adams did such an incredible job. Yeah. I'll never forget that moment. Um, and you guided me through that. You know, I, I, I said some things that many people thought I should never have said, but for me, the Olympic spirit is about winning. You, you do whatever it takes to win. And to me, when you're playing a team that's only defensive, uh, you know, they have one of the best strikers in the world, Lota Hulin, and she's playing in her own six yard box. So to me, it was kind of, it went against the Olympic spirit, the, the way Sweden was playing. And so I said, it was cowardly. I said, they played like, I didn't say a bunch of fucking cowards. I should have said, <laughs> but really I said, yeah, it was cowardly. And they, they played like cowards because uh, they, they didn't want to open up the game and play. And I remember calling, well, you blew up my phone, everybody. You you didn't call phone. me. I called you like 50 times. And, and everybody asked me to apologize. And I, and I was like, why do I need to apologize? I am leaving it all on the field. Everything I had, I left on the field. And I cannot say the same for, for Sweden. So anyways, yeah, it was a very emotional moment. But keep in mind when... Captain Tyler Adams went into his press conference. It was a press conference. You know, whatever happened to me was like post game. They got me right off the field. I'm still filled with emotions. So it's a little bit, a, a little bit different, but yes, he handled it with class. It's a lot different. Yeah. I, I think that's, I think people don't even realize what the difference is. Like the difference between having one person with a little handheld recorder versus 
an entire professional looking setting where it's an actual press conference. But Tyler Adams crushed this interview and I thought was incredibly um, powerful in terms of how he represented the United States. So we're going to stick with the American team right now. Obviously, there's been a lot going on today. A lot of teams have been eliminated. There's been a lot of great play. I've been completely enjoying this World Cup, um, especially because a lot of the major teams have been upset. And that's what I love about sports. That's what I love about soccer is that on any given day, any team can win. But wait, Hope, can I ask you, do you, because you're someone who prepares like I've never seen. In fact, when I saw your World Cup notebook filled with notes about how you like the barometric pressure of different you know, venues and things that you really take note of. And with the amount of preparation that you did to be the best in the world over and over and over again, it seems wild to me that you would want underdogs. I've always liked the underdogs. I think that comes <laughs> from my my father. I don't know what it is. He's, he was this gregarious, big Italian man. He was so strong and, and then he, he liked the underdogs in every sport we watched. And it just, it made it fun when I watched sports with my father. So I, to this day, still cheer for the underdog, I guess. Um, Jeremy is hoping that Spain wins. Um, I want anybody but England. (laughs) (laughs) No, I, 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 I'm, I'm going for Portugal. Um, I really do. I don't think Portugal's Portugal will win. But uh, I, I, I don't know what it is, but I am bleeding for Ronaldo to, to just get it done with everything that he's been through. He's my favorite player in the world. Um, I think my favorite moment of the tournament thus far has been when Lionel Messi's penalty kick. Totally. <laughs> saved. <laughs> saved twice. Wasn't he saved twice or was it, it just was one? Incredible. I mean, it was an incredible save. I thought it was a bullshit call in the first place. Bullshit call. The goalkeeper call. came out. He got a little hand to Lionel Messi's like he face. Brushed his he brushed his eyelash. VAR. <laughs> yeah, the tiny little bit. Since when is that a foul? Goes to VAR. And they give it to him. And then, boom, it got saved. And I, I, oh my gosh, you should have seen Jeremy and I. We were up dancing in our living room, giving each other high fives. And I don't know what it is. It's just, it's not that I root against Lionel Messi, but everybody roots for him. And he drives me crazy because there's such a lack of passion in his game. There's so much lack of passion. And yeah, yeah. I, maybe that's why I root for the underdogs is because they play with their hearts on their sleeves. You know, they'll do whatever it takes to win in that moment at that particular time. Maybe that's why I root for the underdogs, but Lionel Messi, uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't think Argentina's going to get it done. So you like Ronaldo. I love Ronaldo. Yeah. He's got a great tan. A great tan. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. And he can score some goals and he's very yeah. fit and he runs his ass off and he's good in the air and he's powerful. When you're talking about the best athletes, when you look at the men's team, so let's go back to the United States and Jeremy and I had this debate today and, and, you know, everybody says, well, in the United States, you know, the best athletes don't play soccer. And I said, okay, but we have a huge country and we should still be better. You know, you have these tiny countries, tiny nations like Wales, right? Who can still beat the United States, which is, I think, inexcusable um, when we have so much talent here in the United States. 
So what is it? Why? I mean, why do we call it soccer? It's the world's game. It's called football, but only in the United States do we say soccer. And do you remember when the MLS came to the United States? The MLS came out and we made up our own rules. It's the world's game. But in the United States, we were so arrogant that one, we call it soccer. We don't call it football like the rest of the world. And two, we made up our own rules on how to play the game, which, by the way, it didn't last that long. No, it didn't last. At least we learned. At least we learned. (laughs) Well, my whole point is I think we're decades behind, but we should still. It doesn't matter if the best athletes. So I told Jeremy, so a six, he's six foot seven you don't see a six foot seven player on the field. I think Mbappe is, I think he's like six one. He might be six two, but I'm pretty sure he, and he is somebody that you look at who's powerful. He can run, he can change direction. He can get up in the air, not Neymar. Neymar is not powerful, right? He's more of a runner with skill, but why don't, do we have anybody like that on the United States? Um, I think our defense is big. I think our defensive guys, they went with big this year. Um, remember, is it Tim Ream is, I think he's a bigger guy. And I think he was sort of forgotten by us soccer, meaning he sort of bumped around. He was like hanging out. And then suddenly he's kind of the, to me, like being a defender and being the, a defender of the, and hope you always say that I, I didn't really play, but I was a sweeper. And the, <laughs> back in the day, no, you um, played, you played, he, he has that vibe, right? Like that. He, you know, just has it under control. Like he's seen these players, he's played against them in the premier league. He just feels like things are going to be okay. And I think that that big presence, big guy presence is what I love. The meaty defenders the you know, those, those guys uh, are big. I do hear what you're saying. You got to ask yourself, is it, ability or are we more is it more about the culture now and the chemistry that this team has and and what Greg Berhalter has done with this team well the coach you know coaches in soccer are strange right because they're not football coaches where you have to call you know every play it's soccer it's like it's the responsibility of the players on the pitch it's it's much more like you practice every single day to get to the point where you really don't, the coach just stands there and looks hot, right? That's all they're supposed to do. And so I kind of feel like, well, I mean, I beg to differ on that, but (laughs) (laughs) tell me, tell me, tell me your POV since you actually, but like, meaning they, they don't do what coach Belichick does every, every, you know, play, they don't call every play. They're not responsible for every single minor detail, every minor matchup, they're looking for the matchups on, on their own, but they've been taught to look for and understand and exploit the matchups and to, you know, um, as we did back in the day, you know, just send a ball to the corner post and just head there, but, but say more about what you were saying about the coach. So you don't think they just stand there and look hot. I, my only issue with Greg Berhalter is that, uh, how did he get the job? You know, Jay Burhalter was there at U.S. Soccer. It's very incestual relationships when it comes to U.S. Soccer. Um, but I, I, he's doing exactly what he needs to do right now. The men qualified one and two, they made it to the knockout round. So what can I really say? Do I think it's fantastic football? Uh, perhaps it's the best that we can do as a nation right now. Do I think it's beautiful soccer? No, no, I don't. But they are inspiring even to me. 
somebody who's a little bit critical because I want, I want more from our nation. I do, you know, everybody, like I said, you know, they're on, everybody's talking about this men's team. They want them to be the golden generation, but I still don't see a star. I think they're pretty average. Obviously they're better than average. They're top 16 team in, in the world right now, because they made the, the knockout round which 16, only 16 teams did. So uh, you can't, you cannot, I don't think you can fault Greg Berhalter right now. I, I really don't. And I've been very critical of him in the past, but that really has to do with how he was hired, not what he's done with the X's and O's. But like, so now that he's gotten himself there and I, I hear what you're saying about kind of how, how it you know transpired and there's a bit of a velvet rope, rope approach to his hiring, but now that he's gotten himself there and he seems to have done well, like, what is it that a coach does on the pitch on the day of the world cup? Like what, what is it really that happens? I mean, I feel like it's so much in the preparation, but I'm like old school and haven't, haven't been on the pitch for you know quite some time. Well, I think a manager, a coach can make or break you. I think teams can win with a shitty coach. And I think teams lose because they have a shitty coach. And I think even the best coaches don't always inspire their team to win. So I think, it, it, you know, it's that magical combination. Everything has to be perfect. The players have to believe in the coach. The coach has to create a great atmosphere and prepare the players. But I've seen a ton of coaches, a ton of coaches get more nervous than the damn players. So, you know, if they're prepared, if they're fit, if they have a good style of, of play, if they have confidence, you're right. At the end of the day, when you step on the pitch to, to, to play one of your knockout round games, maybe who gives a shit about the coach at that, at that point in time? The coach can come in, make good subs. But like I said, you know, I, I, I've seen a lot of nerves in coaches. They're not always the best leaders. Some of the best leaders are the ones that are actually running around the field. So, I, I, you know, Greg Berhalter seems to have a lot of respect from the players. He has a very, very young team. Um, he does a lot of, uh, you know, team building exercises, which I find pretty corny. But, you know, it, it, <laughs> it, it is an atmosphere that he has created where the, where the players believe in themselves. And now we as a nation believe as well. So if that's all he does, then great. Let the players do the rest but he has created this system and this environment where the, the players believe in themselves. Well, I think that's what you have to do because to your point, for whatever reason, our players are not as talented as our gigantic country would, you know, sort of believe the, the talent level to be. I, I think our best players and, you know, our best athletes tend to not play soccer. And I think that's beginning to happen but it we're in a we're in a five year maybe seven year pool of talent where we didn't sort of grab those folks. In fact, for you know working in sports as I did, I was always like, why don't we just go get a bunch of point guards from basketball, like great basketball point guards, and like get them out there playing some soccer because soccer and and basketball have some carryover, you know, a little tiny bit. Well, I think Chad o Ochocinco wished he would have played soccer. I mean, I, I don't know why he's on Fox at all, but he, he's America's fan, I guess. He's funny and he was going to buy a Falcon. So those are reasons, I think. <laughs> and then, um, but but look, I think 
it's interesting to understand what the coach does in these moments. Like, I think it's really interesting to see how the coach can get these players to believe in themselves. And then, you know, will America in turn, you know, get, I think to the point where we even, because again, still, I feel like with our women, you know, with you, I mean, I can say to someone, do you know who Hope Solo is? And they do. I can say Megan Rapinoe and they absolutely know who she is. I can say Alex Morgan and they know who she is. Carly Lloyd, they know who she is. That's a lot of players to know. That's a that's in our zeitgeist, you know. Um, will these players permeate the culture as well? I mean, I love the team and I love Tim and I couldn't remember his name. Tim Ream. Now I remember your name, Tim, and I apologize. <laughs> but but like I'm just thinking to myself when when you were playing and, you know, you're talking about leadership, do you see the leader on the men's team? Like, do you see, you said um, you didn't really see that as much, or is that something that is maybe just a I said, I, lo- I love Tyler Adams. That, that is the leader in, in, in my book, um, which is why he's captain, right? You know, Christian Pulisic is, is not the captain. But was, was Mia the captain? Was, was Abby, was Abby? Abby at one point was the captain. Okay. Abby Wambach, of course. Who was a great captain for the U.S. women? Like, was uh, Joy I felt Fawcett like- was the best captain? Okay, Joy Fawcett's great. She's that's a great answer. That's such a great. Uh, answer. She was amazing. <laughs> no, I'm serious. I mean, she was I great. Mean, you're gonna get me in trouble here if you really want to go down that road. But okay. Julie Fatty sucked. Christine Lilly sucked. Abby was funny as cap. Like, she was really funny. Like. She she wouldn't give motivational speeches, but she'd be like, it's a bad day to be Japanese. Let's fuck them up like that. That was her motivation. And we would all laugh and she would get so pumped up before the games that she'd be like, and, uh, and she couldn't get her words out. And then we would all just start laughing, laughing, and it would actually loosen us up like we'd laugh before kickoff, which actually was really good for us. And I don't think she meant to do that, but uh, that that was her leadership style. Um, so yeah, you know, you don't have to be the perfect captain. You just have to get your team going somehow or another. But was Michelle a captain Acres? I don't recall. Yeah. She was she was on the show recently. But I don't recall if she was she's, a she's old school though. I mean, that's like but well before your time. But like Mia wasn't a captain. Well, I played with Michelle actually, and I played with Mia. Did but you play Mayhem, I don't think was a captain. You're right. Some of the best players are not captains. Well, I think you need, but you still need that, that leader, like Abby, whether or not, you know, it was, you know, kind of goofy or whatever it was, it kind of broke the ice. Right. And like, I think you were quite a leader, but you kind of led by this more, um, you do at this the end of the day, when you, you want to win a game, you look at me in the eyes and you look at Carly in the eyes and you look at Abby Wambach in the eyes, like the three of us would be like, all right, let's get this shit done. And those are the players that you would look to. Um, you know, my defense looked to me, the midfield looked to Carly, you know, the front runners looked to Abby, like we were the leaders on the field, hands down. Um, so let's talk about Matt Turner. Let's talk about the goalkeeper for the United States team, because I don't feel like he's been tested. And I really don't know what to think about him. I, I feel exactly the same. Like he just hasn't been tested. But to your point, you said to me one time that sometimes the most acrobatic saves, et cetera, et cetera, just mean you're out of position. Like, is he just in such great position? Is he positioning the defense? And <laughs> Very good point. Defense? You're using my words against me. Maybe <laughs> he is organizing the hell out of his defense and he's actually fantastic. See? You're right. 
You're right. You're That's right. what I'm wondering. But I'm asking you because but you But I still want to see his athletic display. So I haven't seen him be, he hasn't really been tested yet, but that's like, you know, I think what I like would love to see him not get tested the whole time. <laughs> Isn't that how we kind of got through the world cup in France, the women's world cup. I mean, we weren't really tested. Alyssa did it. She had one huge, very pivotal save. I mean, the penalty was barely struck. Nobody talks about that. It was the worst penalty kick ever. <laughs> <laughs> let, let me say that. You would know that you would, but hope you know that because you're like, I still, to this day, I don't know if you still have that notebook where you had every single player's tells you would research these players to like such a degree. I found that fascinating. I couldn't even believe the amount of research that you had done on like what the, if someone had their right arm up or had it down, or if they, you know, started out with their left foot running or whatever these, these, and then again, the barometric pressure, I'll never forget you mentioning the barometric pressure in uh, Montreal, because what a difference playing inside an actual dome. You know, I, I think this day and age, when it comes down to penalty kicks, which obviously this world cup is going to come down to penalty kicks. I think it's more of a guessing game. And I hate that about it because it used to be a, a very educated guess. Like you said, I, I would study film for hours. If Ayamiyama, Japanese captain, put her left arm up, that meant she went to my right. If she put her right arm down, it meant like you. I studied every tiny little aspect about the penalty kick takers. And then well, I think what I regret the most is that I had this very inexperienced coach Graham Abel. He was a great goalkeeper coach in terms of he can kick the ball really hard, but, <laughs> but I was more experienced than him. I knew the game better than him. So he, he basically was a trainer. He wasn't my coach. And you know what he said to me in that, that Olympics in Brazil is just go the same way every time. And let's pretend we're going to throw the kicker off by pretending your glove is something happened to your glove. And I bought into it because that was my coach, Graham Abel and Jill Ellis. They wanted to, to play these stupid shenanigans, you know, and, and that's part of the game too. You know, you, you play it. You saw it the other day where there was a penalty kick and the players came over to try and mess up the penalty kick spot yeah. in hopes that the, the, the penalty kick taker would slip and fall or take a bad bounce. So there's all these shenanigans going on and they made me a part of it. And I was an experienced enough player to know that I just need to go with, with, with what I know, period. You know, I can read penalty kicks better than anybody. So I just needed to go with my, with my own self. And, and I didn't, and it's still my biggest regret to this day, but anymore, what you see is a lot of guessing when it comes to penalty kicks. So it, I mean, because I will say in terms of antics, my favorite antic of all time was your walkabout against, against sausage. But that wasn't even on purpose. But it was a walkabout. Yeah. Man, I iced her out. But <laughs> that was because saying. I needed to calm I'm myself saying. down. <laughs> that, that was not shenanigans. I just had to calm myself down, get focused, you know, let that everything moment, calm down. Sitting, sitting there in Montreal, in that stadium, waiting for that to happen. And, and being, because you want to talk about being a fan. Like, I'm the biggest fan, frankly, of you. And that's going to sound over the top, whatever. But like... I'm a fan of you because of the, the, of the preparation that you do. I'm a fan of you because you stick your neck out there when it comes to really challenging, really difficult things to talk about. And you've done it over and over 
and over again. And so being a fan of you and having that moment, you know, as it unfolded in front of me and watching you kind of walk walk around and knowing that Sausage is such a great player, I was just thinking, oh my goodness, this is so hard to watch. And then when you saved it, the relief, the relief that everybody in the stadium felt, it was just so much fun. And that's the thing that I love about this World Cup is we're all experiencing that relief or that sadness or people scoring goals in Kings Road, Germany, you know, scoring a goal or getting scored on and being eliminated. Everyone's sad. Everyone's happy, like together. Why? Like, Why are sports? All for the sports that is what? Third in popularity in the United States but the fastest growing sport. And now we as a nation have come together and we are watching football, not soccer, football. Soccer. Well, we should call it football, shouldn't we? I mean, the rest of the world calls it football, but I'm still over here calling it soccer. And I hate when I say soccer. I know I'm American, but it is football. I feel like I have to own my Americanness and say soccer. All right. So Tiffany, let's wrap this up. Thank you so much for coming on. I really wanted a fan's perspective, somebody who loves the game, somebody who is very knowledgeable about the game. You've invested so much time and energy into the game. You've represented players. You've traveled to World Cups, traveled to Olympics. You've been around. And and I, I know it's really important here in the United States to rally behind this great American side. Um, and I don't want to get my hopes up, but what do you think is going to happen this Saturday versus the Netherlands? Netherlands is a strong team. They're physically bigger than our guys. And they're a soccer playing nation, a football playing nation. What do you think is going to happen? Because I actually believe that if there's any team that the United States would first reach in the knockout round, that they have the potential to be the Netherlands. Because I don't think they're, they're not the, the Spains of the world. You know, they're not the Portugals of the world. Well, I think you're right. I think we don't possess, I look, I think they don't, Netherlands doesn't possess in the way that would, that would really kind of, I think upset us. So it's, I think at this point it becomes a 50, 50 kind of situation. And when it's coming down to 50, 50, anybody can win. So I think it's really 50, 50. I bet it goes to penalty kicks. So root for the underdogs. Well, who are we the underdog? Yeah. Okay. We're always the underdog in the United okay, States when okay. it comes so to football. I'll root, I will, I'm rooting for the underdog. I'm going to watch it with my uh, coffee folks. Um, you know, what are you doing to watch it? Well, it's nine o'clock a.m. kickoff here. I'm wide awake. I'm up by six o'clock with my coffee with my baby. So we're good. But what are you going to do? I mean, that's six a.m. kickoff for you. Coffee, coffee. and we're, I mean, six a.m. It's actually it's seven a.m. that the actual kickoff happens. Six a.m. is when the coverage begins. And so... We get in there. I like, you know, I'm still a little COVID freaked out. So I like wear my mask and pop outside every now and again, you know, and, um, and watch it with a bunch of like, really, and and no one's really cheering necessarily even for a team, which is like a great game. And, and for just to kind of the love of soccer and the love of, of all cheering for something together, I think is really what is really what's kind of like amazing about this. And I think I actually have two friends coming in town for this, this uh, game as well. So I'll get to see them people, one that played at Brown and one that played at Indiana university, little shout out to IU. Um, yeah. So that's what we're going to do, but it's like, first of all, I love seeing you. I just love, love seeing you, but I have so many other questions I want to ask you. So hopefully I can do that when we're not on air. (laughs) Well, you are a fantastic, knowledgeable soccer fan. So thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, you know, we're giving our best to the American side this Saturday. Um, 
and who knows, we might make it to another round. USA, 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 USA. Hope Tiller Sphinx is part of the SiriusXM Sports Podcast Network. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, please give a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe today wherever you stream your podcasts. Serious XM Podcasts.